I have a, I have a friend who is a pastor and at the same time writing for a news outfit in the Philippines. And one time we were talking and he said, you know, Pastor Nilo, good news will not appear in any newspaper. Every time I submit a good report, a good thing happening in my area, our editor will say, no. But whenever there is blood and there is death, it will, it will be accepted. Well, I'm not here to uh, report to you about the blood, <laughs> but I, I am here, first of all, to share with you what the blood of Christ has accomplished. Um, the ministry that we have in our country, I can, I can see it in the eyes only of one who can do nothing. We were having an elders meeting uh, two years ago, and we were trying to go through all the graduating students from our mobile uh, theological school. And there were more than 40 that will graduate at that time. And while we had this meeting, somebody approached me and he said, something's going on downstairs with the graduating students. Because while waiting for the graduation rite, they had a time to have fellowship one with another. And, and uh, one of them stood up and he said, the Lord truly is gracious. He saved me. He told his story. Um, he said, I was in the army and we were ambushed by the communist rebels. But somehow I was spared. Four of my uh, comrades died. But I was spared by the Lord. And it was then that I have this desire to and longing to know him. And then one other graduating student said, so you are part of the team that was ambushed in this place and as you said, four men died. And he asked, how did you know that? We were part of the other team that actually have reinforced you. And the Lord saved me too. And here's the other guy, the third one, just silently listening in the corner, he said, I know the names of those who died. And he gave the names, surgeon, so and so. And everybody's eyes was upon him and was asked, how did you know it? I was the commander of the communist rebels who ambushed you. And they just embraced us brothers. That's how powerful the gospel of the Lord is. And that's what makes us all the more committed to proclaim Christ. Because God is saving his people. He's doing it. Just this week, uh, I was sending uh, uh, an appeal from our brothers in South Cotabato with Pastor Detroit. And uh, there is uh, 
famine in the area. Um, there's too much. Uh, for the last six months, there is no rain. So what they have planted, this dried up. And what was left, the rats came to eat uh, uh, their crops. So he called me and he said, Pastor Nilo, can you share this to our brothers there? Somehow they can help provide food for the brethren. So I, I shared that with some of the brethren uh, at Community Bible. And uh, graciously, the Lord has uh, raised some funds to help them out. But anyway, I was even myself surprised because I, I, I told Pastor Detorio, Pastor Detorio, can you, can you please give me a list, a rundown list of the people that we must be uh, giving some help to buy rice? He said, well, we have 11 churches. Among this Tibuli tribe now. I said, yeah, I know. Give me the names if it is possible. And a day after, he sent me the names. The names of the head of the families represented in these 11 churches. And there were about 324 families in the mountains. And the work just started uh, way back in 2002. Just amazing. Even amongst the tribal peoples, God is building his church. Another great thing that uh, I will not miss sharing with you. We think that if there is a people that is hard to be reached by the gospel, it will be the Muslims. Well, we have this experience um, last year. There was this guy who was looking for a job. And our business manager um, hired him to do some work inside his house. So Pastor Ruben, while this man was working, was at the same time sharing the gospel to him. And he told me, he seemed to be listening. He is so attentive to what I'm, I'm sharing, but he hardly talked. So I told him, uh, Pastor Neil is coming in town and he will be teaching. I would encourage you to listen to him. So this guy went while I was teaching for three days. And he sat at the far end of the room. And then I can see him in deep conviction. The second day, I can even see him crying and just weeping silently at the back. He ended up finishing our course, the curriculum we have in the mobile school. So he graduated last August. Pastor Phil Foley went down uh, to grace the graduation rite. And after the, uh, the conference, he asked me, can you please visit us where we are at? So I, I got the address where, 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 uh, where to go. And last December, I went to visit. It's only then that I know that actually he was a Muslim. He's a raised Muslim from Indonesia, 
their family moved to the Philippines. And actually, there were some in the, in, from Indonesia who, who settled in that place in Dabao del Norte. So there is a community of Muslims there. But the Lord saved this man. And he graduated from our training, went back, shared the gospel to his siblings. The five sisters are now part of a small fellowship that he is handling. Remember that the Bible says the gospel is the power of God. It's not the preacher. It's not the Bible teacher. It is the gospel. So if we can, if we can proclaim the gospel faithfully, God works in, a, in ways that we don't understand. To date, we have 36 churches. That is uh, uh, churches that uh, grew out of the church we started in Cagayan de Oro, uh, Mindanao, way back in 2002. But the number of these churches under Sola Gracia will be doubled because with the more than 600 men that we were able to train through our mobile school and our 34 graduates from the seminary. Most of these men were actually going out and starting new churches. I would like you to, to know that because we are so grateful that we actually are being prayed for and you people here are supporting us even financially. We are truly thankful for what you're doing. Though you are not there physically, but we are in this together. Amen? Amen. We are in this together. Somebody, somebody asked me, how's your wife? My wife is doing well. She is not as much active as before. We both have our medical issues. Maybe you look at me and, and think, he's healthy. <laughs> I am <laughs> because the Lord is sustaining me the Lord is so gracious and uh, the, the thing I'm always thinking is there is no time to lose we have we do not we do not left our finger in holding the plow because God by his grace is doing his work in and through us. Open your Bibles with me in the book of Philippians. So, Philippians chapter 2, and I will be reading from verse 12 to verse 13, and then we will pray together. The Apostle Paul, Philippians chapter 2, verses 12 and 13. So then, my beloved, just as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your salvation with fear and trembling, 
For it is God who is at work in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Let's pray. Gracious Father, you are the Lord of glory. In your word, God, you said, no one can thwart your hand. For what you have purposed, you are going to accomplish it in perfect faithfulness. I thank you, Lord, for this church. Thank you that you have sustained the saints. We honor you in all circumstances. For we know, God, that you are at work in our lives, producing in us Christ-likeness, creating in our hearts, God, what you always wanted your people, to have the kind of heart that beats for you and for your glory. It is my prayer that as we listen to your word this morning, Lord, you will not only encourage and strengthen us, but transform us, Lord, through your word. And let your spirit be the one that will implant your word in our hearts. For the glory of your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. This epistle of Paul to the Philippians was written by the Apostle Paul while he was in prison. So there were several other books that he wrote while he was in prison in Rome, like Ephesians, uh, Colossians. But what is amazing to me, before we look at the text, I went through all the Epistles written by the Apostle Paul, and all of them except the book of Philippians were written just simply mentioning about the people whom he had written the book as saints. Let me pick up uh, one of his writings, like um, the book of Romans, for example. This is not a present letter, though, but... You see the greetings of the Apostle Paul. Customarily, he is doing this. Uh, verse 1 of Romans chapter 1. Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called as an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God. And then in verse 7, he mentions to, the, to whom he wrote the epistle. To all who are beloved of God in Rome, called as saints. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So definitely he said that he was writing this to the beloved of God in Rome called the saints. Now let me pick up a present letter. The letter written to the Ephesian church. And then I'll show you what was written by Paul in, the, in Philippians. So in Ephesians chapter 1. Uh, verse 1 again. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, to the saints 
who are at Ephesus and who are faithful in Christ Jesus. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Again, he just made mention to the saints who are at Ephesus and who are faithful in Christ Jesus. Grace to you. Now look at Philippians now. Because I am driving something here. Paul and Timothy, Philippians chapter 1 verse 1. But servants of Christ Jesus to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi. Including the overseers and deacons. Grace to you. And peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. It makes me wonder. Of all letters written by Paul. Addressed to a church. It is only in Philippi that he said. Not only to the saints but. Including the overseers or the pastors and the deacons. The only thing I can think of is that. Paul was very careful. To indicate that what he is about to write to the church. Does not excuse. The leaders of the church. That this is something. The things he, he is going to talk about. In the, in the letter. Must not be viewed as only good for church members. But rather for everyone inside the church. More especially the leaders of the church. So. We or I cannot interpret what is in the book of Philippians without having that in my mind. Paul was writing this not only to the saints, but definitely with emphasis, including the leaders of the church. Now, so what he has written in verse 12 and 13 Actually, is part of the admonitions he's doing to the whole church. For example, in verse 27 of chapter 1, he said, Only conduct yourselves, saints, overseers, deacons. Conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Amazingly, the word conduct here can be translated citizens. The same word that Paul used when he said, our citizenship is in heaven. So, only conduct your life as citizens worthy of the gospel of Christ. In chapter 2, there's another admonition that he gave them, which is worth mentioning. He said, um, 
Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, let's each of you regard one another as more important than himself. So many wonderful truths that the Apostle Paul was telling the church. Now, verse 12. So then, we do understand that this statement, so then, it's like a concluding statement. So then, my beloved, again, look at this, not only referring to the general public, no, with, with, with the leaders, the members of the church, my beloved, just as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Being pastor of the church, Paul was mentioning that I rejoice in God every time I remember you in my prayers. Yet there is also this thing in the heart of the Apostle Paul that he wanted to see that the believers in this particular uh, epistle, the believers in Philippi, the Apostle Paul longs for them to live an authentic Christian life. That though he is far from them, he was telling them, when I was with you, you have always obeyed me. Not only as your pastor, but as an apostle. But now, much more in my absence. This do. The first thing he said to them. Work out. Your salvation with fear and trembling. The apostle Paul was actually telling them. That salvation. Is a present position. Already obtained, received by them. Take note. He said, work out your salvation. He did not say, work out for your salvation. But he simply said, work out your salvation. So it means that they already possess the salvation. They need only to practice or exercise their salvation. We want to live an authentic Christian life. The very first thing we need to be thinking is that eternal life, salvation that Christ has given us is not a future prospect, but it is a present position. And we have to practice or exercise 
that salvation. In fact, the word work, work out, is in the present imperative. So, it can literally be translated, work out, and continue to work out, and always work out. Exercise, and continue exercising, and keep on exercising your salvation. If we are doing this, then we are actually making ourselves different than others. A man who is assured that he is saved by the Lord Jesus Christ is a man full of hope. He look at life in a different light. In fact, if we know that we are already saved, even in the worst of circumstances, joy will just be an outflow in the heart of the person. Why? Because now the joy that he has in his heart is nothing but Christ. That's why the Apostle Paul said, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say, rejoice. We are commanded to live out our salvation with this attitude, with fear and trembling. Now sometimes we are thinking in relation to this word fear that we have to exercise a kind of life that is so watchful in every act that we are going to do because somehow we are thinking that the slightest disobedience or the slightest infraction of the will of God that we do immediately God is going to use a sword to punish us. So we are thinking that this is a fear of judgment. Sometimes people were thinking that this is a matter of fearing to lose our salvation. Or simply fearing to be caught. What is this fear spoken of by the Apostle Paul? Now think about this. For a true believer, the Bible already says... There is therefore no more condemnation to those who are in Christ. No more condemnation to those who are in Christ. But we are not excused with the discipline of God. But I look at it this way. Work out your salvation with fear. The word fear must be viewed by believers in this manner. It is not the fear of punishment, the fear of punitive act by God against our sins, 
But rather it's a fear that is so deep-rooted. The fear of dishonoring and offending God. If we are walking as a true believer of Christ, we understand that it's only by His grace that we've been able to come to know Him, enjoy the blessedness of being a, being a child of God. We can do nothing to add to our salvation. It's already secured eternally by Christ. When he was crucified, he said, it is finished. It's done. What is left? That we live our lives for only, for only one purpose. For his glory. And to that end, we have to exercise our salvation with fear. Fear that does not run away from God, but rather in awe of His majesty, in reverence to His glory. That deep, deep, deep down in my heart, in our hearts, there should be this fear that I might offend the holy God, that I might dishonor Him. It makes a difference. I will love my wife. And be faithful to her. Not necessarily because. Of her alone. But primarily because. I want to honor God. I want to glorify God. In our. Relationship. Now bring. That attitude toward every situation we are at. People, without telling them, look at us and they can see, man, something truly is different about this guy. We do things not because we are fearful that we will be punished. That God will throw us to hell. No. The fear is actually rooted in our longing and desire to honor and glorify God in everything. Beloved, look at Jeremiah 32. Because this is already outlined by the Lord Jesus as part of being with a new covenant tree's blood. Jeremiah 32, verse 40. Let me begin reading. From verse 38, Jeremiah 32, beginning from 38. And they shall be my people, and I will be their God. And I will give them one heart, 
and one way that they may fear me always for their own good and the good and for the good of their children after them. And I will make an everlasting covenant with them that I will not turn away from them to do them good. And I will put the fear of God, the fear of me in their hearts so that they will not turn away from me. And I will rejoice over them to do them good. And I will faithfully plant them in this land with all my heart and with all my soul. I will put the fear of me in their hearts. Well, in the New Testament, it's such a blessing to know that the fear of God planted in our hearts is tempered by the Spirit of God. Look at Acts chapter 9, verse 31. Acts chapter 9, 31. So the church throughout all Judea and Galilee, or Galilee, and Samaria enjoyed peace being built up and going on in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, it continued to increase. It must be not the fear of punishment, but the fear created as we behold the glory of God, that we disdain even the thought of dishonoring Him, much more offending His name by the kind of life that does not please Him. It is the fear of the Lord that must be the motive to our holy and righteous living to prove that we indeed are the saved or the redeemed of the Lord. Work out your salvation with fear. Now here's the second word. And trembling. And trembling. You see, Satan believed and he trembles too. But think about the Apostle Paul, formerly Saul, the Pharisee, an expert of the law. We cannot divorce his background influencing the things he wrote, inspired by the Spirit. The Apostle Paul, as a Pharisee, understood that in the Old Testament, the word tremble is always associated with a man who is pleading for mercy. A defeated king. 
supposed to be executed by the victor, will plead for his life. Many times, lay frustrate on the floor and will be pleading, will be trembling, mercy, mercy, mercy. I believe with all my heart that the Apostle Paul has to bring this out with fear and trembling because he acknowledged that no matter how hard we try, we fail. No matter how hard we try to be perfect, all the more as days pass by, we can see glaringly how truly sinful we are. The vent of our heart is always towards sinning. That's why the true save of the Lord in the passing of days, just as to the degree He knew God, to the degree He can see Himself to be nothing. And yet, with fear and trembling, receive mercy from God. We live our Christian lives because He is merciful to us. It's just amazing to me what kind of mercy God is showing Himself to us when John the Apostle said, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness and to cleanse us, present tense, and to cleanse us and continue cleansing us and keep on cleansing us, not from our few sin, sins, but from all our sins. The mercy of God in the text is this. When we ask forgiveness to the Lord, it is not that our sins had already piled up 1,000 plus 1, 1,000 plus 2. No. Because every time we come to Him to ask forgiveness and then we sin again, it is as though we sinned the first time. And by His grace, we can move on. We can move on. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Prove to yourself that Christ has saved you. Because ultimately, the evidence of a true saved person is a changed life. With fear and trembling. Mercy, because as we grow in our knowledge of Him, as we progress in the understanding of our walk with Him, we time and again measure up our growth in holiness to His holiness, we see how miserably we fail. But why are you still here today? 
Why are you still here? Why are you still here? Amazing when Jude mentioned that. In Jude verse 24. He said, now to him, referring to the Lord Jesus, now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to make you stand in the presence of his glory, blameless with great joy, to the only God our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Now to him who is able to keep you The text did not say, now to him who is able to help you. No. To keep you. It is different. Because sometimes you are thinking, God will help me so that I will not stumble. No. It's far short than what the Bible declares. We are still Christian today. Why? Because God is able to keep us from stumbling. And to make a stand in the presence of his glory. He's working. But ours is to maintain that reverence. And being owed by his majesty and his glory. That we dare not. Dishonor and offend him. If we do, we plead in his mercy and we will never be denied. Never. Now we can do this. Look at verse 13. For it is God who is at work in you. Human responsibility, work out your salvation. Work as if everything depends on you. But be mindful, we can never do anything without God at work. It is God who is at work. Now look at this. A man on his part had to work out. Why? It is God who is at work in. Man, work out. God, work in. You can work out nothing if God is not working. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who is at work in you. Christian. There is no time that God is not working in your life. You only feel like he is not. Because you have trained yourself to trust in your emotions rather than act on your faith. We cannot say no. Because God is at work. And uh, the extent of God working, both to will and to work 
for his good pleasure. To will. I understand that it is unnatural for us to be thinking, I have to humble myself even to my children. I have to give up my legal right if only to maintain unity in the body. That is not native to us. That desire is not natural to us. If it is not natural to us, to whom then it comes from? God who is at work. What is native to us is to be selfish. And in fact, out of our selfishness, we wanted even to have what others have. But when you become a Christian, there is this desire. Now, not to be selfish, but to impact the lives of others by our willful giving. God is at work. Never postpone any desire in the heart that glorifies Him. Because it comes from Him and not from you. Our heart's desire will always be what is satisfying to the flesh. But now God is doing this. To will, and not only to desire or to long to do, to will, but to work. He will even implant, not, uh, not only implant the desire in our hearts, but enable us to do it for his good pleasure. If there are times you are challenged to make a sacrifice, I think we have to remember there is no greater sacrifice that can match up what Christ has done for You cannot outgive God. We heard that many, many times. So God implants this longing and desires in our hearts and enables us to work, accomplish what He has placed in our hearts. And it is for His good pleasure. Does God need to be uh, like many of us? We have to pump up his emotions so that he will be happy. Didn't he said that we fear him for our own good, for our own benefit, for our own? Pleasure. God 
is glorified when we are most satisfied with him. John Piper said. So he will work, in, he is working inside of us to will and to work for his good pleasure. It's one thing to be doing ministry and faithfully do that, but doing it not with the right motive or goal. The ultimate goal will be the pleasure, the honor, the glory of God. Um, Physically, I cannot believe even that I can, I will be standing before you. Because uh, there are so many times I thought, this is the end, Lord. This is the end. But now I understand. The Lord keep me. My time has not yet come. But I do not need to waste it. But instead, redeem the time. We were singing that song that we have to declare him even to the last breath. And that's our challenge. There's something that everybody had to be giving themselves if we are true. Father, thank you for your word. Oh, God, help us to grow in our walk with you. That in our lives, Lord, Christ will be proclaimed. Whether we speak or we do not. Just people to look at us. That they can see. How we honor and glorify you. And somehow God. As you have promised. If I am lifted up from the earth. You will draw all men to me. That you are going to use us Lord. To draw men and women. To come to the saving knowledge of our Savior. In Jesus' name we pray.